Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of this podcast. And men, as always, thank you for checking out today's podcast episode. Now, when you get the opportunity, make sure you visit thepursuitofmanliness.com. You can find all things Pursuit of Manliness. You can check out what is new in the gear store. Specifically, I want to highlight our fall men's retreat, September 29th and 30th here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Men, this is a weekend you do not want to miss. Now, all podcasts within the pursuit of manliness, whether it is the Monday interview, Wednesday quiet life, or Friday out in the garage are intended to help us pursue being spiritually sound, mentally strong, relationally established, and physically fit. Men, it's time for today's podcast conversation. We are once again out in the garage, and I hold in my hand two bottles of brand new dark water woodwork beard oil. Old Doug knows me well. He knows I'm a beard oil guy. That's all I do. I got a comb. Got to have a wood comb, and then beard oil, and uh, just about every day. And he said, "I, you know, think you're running low." And I said, "You better believe it." So I got a St. Patrick. And the out in the garage. So today, if you go to darkwaterkc.com and you put in the code Leviticus26, you'll save 15% off of your out in the garage beard bundle. So that's the beard balm and the beard oil. And uh, maybe you're one, maybe you're like me, you're a beard oil guy, beard balm guy, whatever, maybe you're both, don't matter. But if you're not both, maybe you give one to someone else, say, hey, you got to give this a try. I'm telling you, I just, I just texted Doug, we've been texting each other before I hit record, and uh, I said, man, I appreciate that. And he said, uh, thought you're running low, and I told him, I could smell it before I got it out of the package. That's a good thing. Uh, that's when the mailman says, okay, who's on the return address here? Yeah, I'm going to figure out who that is. And, uh, you know, it's this stuff is good, man. I, I'll say this, take it for what it's worth. If you trust me, then you trust me. Okay. I don't like to smell like an essential oil guy. I don't like to smell like I'm, I walked into, uh, what is that bed, bath and beyond, or where's the place that your wife can get like 12 candles for four bucks at Christmas time. I, I don't want to smell like that. I, I don't. So I'm going to use the beard oil because it's good for my face. It's good for, for that, my beard, I even said before, I'll even rub a little bit on my head just when I got a little extra there. Um, but I'm, this will stay with you. This smell stays with you, and uh, it is wife and daughter approved. I don't know about your wife and daughter, but my wife and daughter said thumbs up. And uh, go there and check out the um, the merchandise, too. He's got all kinds of stuff there. And I say that because I, as I was talking about wife and daughter approved, my da- one of my daughters, she wears uh, my dark water woodwork shirt all the time all the time. And I was going to take a picture of her wearing it, but it's my daughter and I'm not going to post that. So anyhow, she loves the shirt. She took my shirt. It's her shirt now. So, I um, mean, we're talking about Leviticus chapter 26, Leviticus 26. And let, let me say this. Uh, the goal of out in the garage is to walk through the Bible left to right to the best of our ability. We're not going word for word. We're not even going chapter for chapter for that matter. We, we have, depending on the book, uh, Leviticus numbers going to create a little bit of a challenge to do that. We get back into some of these other books. We're, we're definitely going to do that because I want to give you basically a synopsis at this point. I would encourage you, read it for yourself. Read the Bible for yourself. Read it all the way through. Um, one of my daughters right now is currently doing She got a challenge card at this conference, and they said read through the Bible twice in a year. 
So she has figured out a way that she is determined she's going to read through the Bible twice in a year. And I know some some good old boys, they ain't read through it once. Come on, man, don't let one of my teenage daughters read it more than you. So get in the Word, read it. Yes, you're going to come through some parts that are a little more challenging, a little bit more, you know, like, okay, I don't know what I'm supposed to get from this. doesn't matter. Just, just read it. And as you read it, even the parts that you don't fully grasp, you get a better understanding of the story. You get a better understanding of this whole story centers around Jesus. It centers around, we need a Savior. We need someone to uh, to help us because we're a mess. And uh, I say all that because more than likely, whether it was you or somebody you know, has made a statement that would say something to the effect of, you know, that, that God in the Old Testament, he is just a wrench. A vengeful, wrathful God. He is constantly just like wiping people out. And he's doing, you know, all these things. And boy, I just have a hard time, you know, trusting in that God or I have a hard time worshiping that God or a God that forces you to love him, forces you to follow him. You know, I get that on the surface. I do. I hear you. But I would say that would be a, a grave misunderstanding of God. And be careful that you don't create a God that you can micromanage. If you can micromanage someone or if you can kind of relationally manipulate them, do you have any real respect for them? No. The answer is no. Um, You don't have respect for yourself if someone is micromanaging you or um, manipulating you. So to understand God, you have to understand that he is holy. He is all-knowing. He is sovereign, providential. He is beyond anything that we in our little three-pound, finite brain can wrap ourselves around and say, okay, now I can fully grasp every aspect. You're not going to. It's just not going to happen. And so we get to Deuteronomy, or forget, we get to Leviticus chapter 26. I got too many things going here at once in front of my face. Uh, Leviticus 26. And my Bible, I don't know what yours is, but I have a blessings for obedience. That's Leviticus chapter 26, 1 through 13. And then over when I get to verse 14, it says punishment for disobedience. Yeah, that one goes a little bit longer. That's going to go to verse, uh, what are we looking at here? 46, verse 46. And so I want to read this verse to you, and we'll get to it eventually. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and death, life and good, death and evil. Uh, The New American Standard says, See, I have placed before you today life and happiness and death and adversity. Okay? So you choose the life part, you get good. You choose death, you get evil. All right? And you say, yeah, I've seen that in my own life. I've seen that with other people's lives or whatever. Yeah. God says basically this. I'm setting before you today two choices. Be wise. It's like what he told Cain. Listen, sin is crouching at your door, Cain. It's trying to look small. It's trying to hover in the corner of your porch. And it wants to look small, and it wants to look insignificant, and it wants you to just leave it alone so you overlook it and say it must not be a threat. But its desire is to ruin you. you got to master it. Okay? Well, that, that whole tension between doing what is right or doing what we know is right and doing what we know is wrong, um, that, that, that hasn't changed. And so he sets before us blessings for obedience punishment for disobedience. Now, let's be real honest. We don't like to be told what to do, and we don't like consequences for our actions. I notice people who have no problem marching and 
Facebooking and tweeting and Instagramming, whatever. When something big happens in the world, something big happens and there's an issue of who is right and who is wrong and they've picked their side and they'll demand justice and they'll demand you know results and they'll demand there better be a verdict in this way and there better be this. Hey, I have no problem with you feeling that way. But be careful if the table was ever turned and it was you. Because we have no problem demanding justice for what other people do and punishments for what you did and he did and they did. But we don't like it if it ever comes out. Whoa, 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 what are you pointing the finger at me for? Uh, you were the guy with the Sharpies and the poster board saying what should have happened to this individual. Nobody's ever clamoring for justice for anything they did wrong. We don't want to talk about that. We just want to throw eggs at you. You're the one that did something wrong, so you're the one that must be severely punished. Be careful with that. I'll go back to this. Whether you believe in God or not doesn't change his existence. Whether you believe the Bible is true or not doesn't change the validity to it. It doesn't change that it matters. It doesn't change that God is serious about his word. And so Leviticus chapter 26, God has been giving a lot of instructions. He gives a lot of instructions to the priest. He's given a lot of instructions through Moses. He's given a lot of instructions to the, the people of Israel. And he says this. He says, verse 7, he goes, he said, or forgive me, I'll go to verse 6. I will give you peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. That sounds like a pretty sweet deal. It sounds like we went on vacation here. And I will remove harmful beasts from the land, and the sword shall not go through your land. He says, um, you're not going to have to worry about sleeping with one eye open. You're not going to have to worry about some animal tearing apart your stuff. My wife was going to Tennessee for a thing, and she's talking about hiking and bears and stuff. I said, well, here's how you know. If you're walking where they lock their trash cans up in an industrial way, that's bear land, okay? If they're just setting out the old rubber maids by the curb, you're probably in pretty good shape. He said, hey, I don't have to worry about bears. I don't have to worry about these beasts. And he said, you don't have to worry about the sword going through your land, meaning people trying to pillage you or kill you or anything. He says, verse 7, now we're talking about obedience here. People that obey God, his statutes, his commands, his way of living. Verse 7, you shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Now, he didn't say there wouldn't be enemies. He said, you shall chase them away. There's going to be people. There's always going to be antagonists. There's always going to be obstacles. He says, when there are enemies, you're going to chase them away. And they'll fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. Now I'm I'm not great at math, but that feels like a twenty to one ratio, right? This this the blessing here is pretty remarkable. Five to one hundred, one hundred to ten thousand. One essentially routing 100 people. This reminds me of, of Gideon defeating the 135,000 Midianites with just 300 men. Jonathan and his armor bearer defeating the Philistine army. I mean, God has done amazing things in really small numbers. <clears throat> We've said before, you walk with the Lord, you never walk alone. And you walk with the Lord, you always have the advantage. It may not look like it. And I know your kids walking through high school hallways and into you know cafeterias and locker rooms and your kid in the dorm room and in, the, in that, that classroom in front of the professor and all that. It's going to feel like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm way over my head in this. Let me tell you, you always have the advantage. 
He says, you're going to, if you walk in my statutes, my commandments, and, and, and you keep them, you perform them, I'm going to give you rain in its season. I, I, I'm going to bless the land. You're not going to worry about beasts. You're not going to worry about your enemies. Oh, they're going to be around, but you're going to chase them off pretty easily, right? He goes on to say, I will make my dwelling among you. This is verse 11. And my soul shall not harbor you. And I will walk among you and will be your God. And you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And you should not be their slaves. And I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. God said, I have made you a free people. Now here's what's going to happen. I am going to look favorably upon you. You're going to be fruitful. You're going to multiply. My covenant is 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 never going to to leave you. He said, "I I I am essentially going to tabernacle amongst you. My soul will be with you. Right? I will walk among you. This is almost the image of being back in the garden. It's, it's as if God saved the best promises for last." You're going to keep your Sabbath. You're going to revere my sanctuary. I'm your Lord. I am. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. And then he says, I'm going to be with you. If you'll be honest as you read the Bible, what you'll see is God desires a relationship with his people. And we keep making a mess of it. He did it in the garden. He's done it through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He did it through Moses and the nation of Israel. He spoke to to kings. He spoke to prophets. And we, as a people, kept saying, nah, what's over there on the other side of the fence? We'll see what they got going on. You know what? I think I'll give that a try. I think I'll live that way. I think I'll marry those people. I think I'll start to develop those practices. And then we find ourselves in the yoke of slavery and sin and go, God, where are you? Rescue me. Save me. Help me. And there's, there's a point where God says, that's it. No more. Just like with any other earthly, earthly relationship, there's a point where grace runs out from somebody, whether it's your boss, your wife, whoever, your kids, whoever they say, all right, that's enough. We, we've done this. We've done this shtick enough times, right? There's a point where God will say, all right, that's it. Time's up. You've had, you've had plenty of opportunity here. Listen, let's not make a mockery of God's mercy and goodness. And so God says, I, I am going to be your God. I am the God that brought you out of Egypt. It's almost as if you see right here the angst from God that they were you, that you should not be their slaves. That was wrong. That is an injustice. That is what we've had to make right. I have broken their bars of your yoke. He said, you are free from that. Why would you ever want to go back? He says, don't go back. Don't, don't long to go back. That's over. And then we get into the punishment for disobedience. It says, verse 4, If you will not listen to me and will not do all these commandments, if you spurn my statutes and if your soul arbors my rules so that you will not do all my commandments but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will visit you with panic with wasting disease and fever that will consume your eyes and make your heart ache. And you shall sow your seed in vain for your enemies shall eat it. He said, I'm not going to bless you. 
As a matter of fact, there are consequences of turning your back on the Lord. You say, see, that's what I'm talking about. He makes us love him. Do you understand what he is saving you from? Do you understand the weight that he is lifting off of you? If you're honest with yourself, you're really honest. I think you do understand that. But there's something about living a life of restraint. There's something about the perception of I'm being told what to do. No, what you're being told is this is what love looks like. This is what love looks like. This is why I parent my kids in a certain way. The rules are pretty consistent amongst all three. We've got two girls, one boy. The method might vary because each personality is a little bit different. The goal is the same. I want you to become someday a functioning grown-up who understands and embraces responsibility, who loves Jesus, and knows how to treat other people. I'm not really concerned what you do for a living. I'm not really concerned if you go to college or not. I'm concerned. I want you to get a job. Not going to be lazy. But I'm not really concerned with all the extras that might create great angst among us. I got one kid who's determined, you know, about this, this about the school or this school. I said, okay, you're going to be in debt. That's fine. This is what it looks like to be in debt for that many years. And this is the amount of money that if you do, you choose that. You have to know that. Why? Because you're going to be responsible for that debt. You're going to be responsible to carry that if you do that. You could travel the world. You could do those things. That's fine. But here's what you need to know. I'm not trying to ruin it for them. I want them to know, hey, you're going to be a responsible, functioning grown-up here. God does this because he loves you. And maybe you have a perverted, jacked-up view of love. Maybe you've had some people that have really crapped on you, man. Maybe you had someone who said they loved you, and all they did was abuse you, neglect you, manipulate you, treat you like garbage. You go, man, if that's what it is, I don't want no part of it. Maybe you had someone that said, well, this is what being a man is, and they, they were just a disgusting human being. Maybe you've encountered people who manipulate, who put conditions on their love, who emotionally abuse you. If you act this way, if you do these things, then we're good. But if you don't act this way and you don't do these things, then we're not good and you're going to know it. And I, right? Like, don't you get sick of all that stuff? Isn't that exhausting? Now, manipulators, they don't know what I'm talking about because that's their survival skill, manipulating. That's, that's, that's their secret recipe. Listen, I'm probably not going to get um, my way or I'm not going to be able to do what I want. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to manipulate. Now, I'm, I'm, listen, God makes it clear within Scripture. He desperately loves us. He desperately loves us. And you say, well, yeah, but then why are there consequences? Listen, man, there are consequences to everything in life, whether you embrace it or not. You take a loan out the bank. And you say, I'm going to borrow $10,000 to buy this car. You go buy the car and you decide don't like it as much and you just and you, and you don't pay your loan. Does the bank go, oh, it's okay, you're a pretty nice person. Who are we to tell you that you should do something that you signed over? You know, you said you're going to do it. We've all been there. We've all done things, and we're in over our head. We made just impulse decisions. So, you know what? No worries, mate. That's not going to happen. You go to a restaurant, you order food, you pay for the food. You have a house, you turn that faucet on, that magic liquid that comes out, the end of the month, there's a bill that says you, you owe that amount of money, right? 
choose not to do that, eventually you turn that faucet, no magic liquid comes out no more, right? You have a job and you can choose not to show up to that job. And I know in, in 2023, um, this doesn't play well with some, but for most uh, respectable businesses, you don't show up, you don't get paid. That's how that works. That's how that works. We don't like to think that there are consequences to our actions, but we demand consequences for other people's actions. Well, where did that come from? Your demand to see someone else absorb the consequences of their actions. Because God's already written on your heart. You know right from wrong. What you don't want to embrace is the fact that sometimes, actually a lot of times, you are wrong. Listen, man, just be honest with yourself and say, if I continue to do my own thing, my own way, how well is that going to work out for me? If I continue to throw off restraint, live however I want to live, I can throw any accusation towards God. I can say I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't, I'm too busy for church. It's a bunch of just people messing it up, human structure. Whatever. You, how well is that really working out for you? It's probably not. And so what we see within Leviticus 26 and what you're going to see within a lot of Leviticus is God sets before you the choice and says, listen, I know what is best. Here's what you need to choose. And when you choose it, you get life and you get what is good. So why can't get it the other way? Because choosing the flesh and choosing what you want to do it's never going to work out. If you had a kid and you let them eat cotton candy and runts every meal because that's what they like and they love the pretty colors and it tastes good and they like, how's it going to work out for them? Well, your dentist bill is going to be ridiculous. They're, they're not going to grow and they're not going to be healthy. I mean, God bless whoever they eventually marry who tries to put a real meal in front of them, right? Like, it's not going to go well. So if you know how to treat your children, hopefully, some of you, not all of you, some of you treat your pets better. <laughs> if you know how to treat your pet, would it stand to reason that the person that puts you together, that knit you together, that understands your DNA, the finite details of your life, would know what is actually best for you? You say, I'm going to buy a farm and I'm going to start to plant crops. I'm going I'm to do it my way. I'm going to plant crops in November and I'm just going to change the calendar a little bit because I'd like to have my son, my spring and summers off. You meet a farmer with any credibility. He's going to say, now, what are you, what are you trying to grow? Oh, we're going to be doing all year long. Right. But you can't grow certain things at certain times of the year. You can't grow certain things in certain climates. You say, but I want to, um, listen, when you have your own universe, you can make the rules. But until then, we need to submit and surrender to the rules of the Almighty who has created his own universe. He's wrote a pretty good book. He understands what's best for you. He sent his son Jesus to earth to live and to die for us. You see, I don't know if I believe that story. Do you believe the fact that all the disciples gave their lives and died in a violent, humiliating manner and not once did they back away from the story that he was alive? Would you do that? No. I've seen people lie for dumber things. I've seen people lie for things that are unnecessary. My point is this. You have set before you today life and good, death and evil. As God said back in Deuteronomy, choose life and it will go well with you. 
Once again, men, I want to thank you for listening to the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. Now, one more thing before you go. I want to encourage you, would you consider joining The Herd? The Herd is a $5 a month monthly subscription to the Pursuit of Manliness. These men who are in The Herd, they not only get bonus podcast content, but they're also a part of a community that has ongoing conversations, monthly Zoom calls, and more. For just $5 a month, you can help keep this ministry moving forward. You can also gather with like-minded brothers across the globe. Men, thanks for listening, and let's keep pursuing biblical family.